brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. I'm Lucas and I got Chris here. How has your uh, week been so far, Lucas? Uh, not a great day, but overall solid week, so you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I frankly haven't had much going on myself. Uh, you know, just watching basketball, movies. Same old story you've heard a thousand times. Um, Getting a lot of articles out. Uh, yeah, some draft stuff, which is, has been fun. Uh, we're going to crank out more before before the draft on the 29th, so I recommend that people keep up with the site, check all that out. Chris is draft guru for fan-sided. He's one of their gurus. you got to check it out, guys. He's that good. Well, thank you. Uh, we're going to start, of course, with some talk about the NBA Finals, which wrapped up last night. We are recording on Wednesday. This pod will come out on Thursday. Tuesday evening, of course, is when the Bucks closed out the Phoenix Suns in six games. Giannis Antetokounmpo dropped 50 points, 14 rebounds, and five blocks, and ended up winning Finals MVP, deservedly so. Lucas, just off the bat, what were your overall thoughts on the series? The series? Um... Can't believe I say I'm saying this, but you know, Budenholzer made more adjustments than Monty Williams. So I mean, obviously Budenholzer's not gonna get fired now. Um this was really Giannis's coming out party, which is hard to say for two time MVP, but I think it's fair to say that despite already being, you know, NBA finals, uh, MVP and MVP and a regular season MVP. And a defensive player. He's one of three players that have done that all time. The other two, Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. So, I think it's fair to say that he's already a top five, arguably tar- top three power forward of all time. But um, outside of that, yeah, that those are my main takeaways. Yeah, look, I mean, Giannis, I think, proved all the doubters wrong. I think there are some pretty reasonable reasons to to question whether or not he could, you know, establish himself as like that top five mega superstar on a playoff stage given his limitations um phoenix had the personnel to guard him as well as just about anyone else in the league he took deandre ayton to school he took jay crowder and all those guys to school um the suns i think did a pretty good job of throwing different looks at him generally speaking and it just didn't matter he's a a freak you know as, as his nickname would suggest and rightfully so um Truly one of the great finals runs, great postseason runs of all time. He averaged over like 35 and 12 for the series. Um, I agree. Top five power forward of all time seems about right. He's also only 26 years old, so he has plenty of time to like add to that resume. Mm-hmm. He did all this a couple weeks after his leg bent the wrong way in that Atlanta series. Mm-hmm. A pretty remarkable show of resilience from him. And that entire Bucks team, they were 
down pretty bad in the Brooklyn series. They bounced back, had some stumbles in the Hawks series, the Giannis injury. They bounced back, and they were down 2-0 in this series, and they bounced back. I mean, just a really strong show of resilience from a team that has been knocking on this door for a long time. Uh, not to spoil something we might talk about later in the podcast, but I'm, I was just super happy for them. Like Giannis totally deserves this. Like just one of the class A human beings in the league. And obviously a very, very good player. Um, so Lucas, are, are you surprised that Milwaukee won it all? Does this come as a shock to you? I know you picked the Suns before the series. I mean, I'm not shocked because, I mean, I think they were two evenly matched teams but uh, in terms of overall talent. But, I mean, I will say the probably thing I'm most shocked about is that he was hitting his free throws uh, for most of that series. And that uh, – because, uh, you know, you can stop Giannis from getting to the rim sometimes, yes, if you have the right personnel. I don't think – I don't agree with you saying that the Suns had the perfect personnel because outside of Aiden, they were pretty small. Not perfect. Uh, yeah, I mean, but they so, were pretty I well. Mean, I mean, they got really good defenders, but I think Giannis just realized that he's bigger than all that. His play style changed from being more of a downhill type of guy to actually taking you in the post. And on top of that, like I said, if he's hitting his free throws, he's unguardable. It doesn't matter if he doesn't have a jump shot. <clears throat> ben Simmons. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, must have had a cough there. Anyway. um. But yeah, no, if you hit your free throws, it doesn't matter if you can't shoot outside shots because you can be as aggressive as you want getting to the rim. Because if you get fouled, which you probably will, you you can hit your free throws and still get your buckets that way. So, yeah. I I, I think the Ben point is a good one. Obviously, Ben is not the physical specimen that Giannis is. Ben is a great athlete, obviously. But to the people who are like, Ben would be better than Giannis if he played with Giannis' aggression. Uh, no. no, no, sorry, uh, no. He's but, as long or as. Yeah, look, Giannis has put Ben in the blender, and you know, gone to work court enough times for us to say that's probably not the case. Um, but look, yeah, if Ben, this is a great example of why Ben just needs to, even if he's not a good free throw shooter, even if he's shooting fifty, sixty percent not being afraid of that, being willing to embarrass yourself and to work through those moments and to just continue attacking and getting downhill, that would improve Ben's game so much. And it's what has made Giannis a great player. He has had those embarrassing moments. He has airballed free throws. He has had bad nights at the line. And it doesn't matter. He just keeps pounding away and hammering teams at the rim. And eventually it's going to work out in his favor. So I, I do think that's a fair point as far as Ben goes. Um... I predicted the Bucks in seven before the series. Not to say I was right again, but I mean, you weren't. Because, I mean, they won it in six, so you're not right, Chris. Don't take. Don't be oh, a sore. Well, don't don't be a sore winner. Look, I mean, at least I didn't have the Suns getting knocked out in the first round. Uh neither. Well, hold up, did I? Oh yeah, you picked the Lakers. Don't did don't I? play that. I, I honestly don't remember. It yeah, you like, did. Of course you oh, did. Yeah. Everyone did, except for me. I was the only one who picked the Suns in the whole world. Um, I don't think anybody saw Anthony Davis, uh, you know, a- injuring his hamstring again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, maybe I did. Maybe I'm just prescient, but... Okay, okay, Swami. Okay, so who who's uh-huh. going to win the Fantasy Football League next year? Let me guess, you? Of course. 
Oh gosh, this guy. All Even right. if I don't win fantasy basketball, it's like a foregone conclusion at this point. I don't think I've ever lost, but um, as far as Phoenix, Lucas, um, Chris Paul, now a free agent, if he opts out of his uh, contract, which seems likely. We've seen some reports today that the Lakers might go after him. Granted, the Lakers can only offer him $9.5 million in free agency, so unless it's a sign-and-trade, I, I don't see it, but uh, do you think Chris Paul is going to be back? And broadly speaking beyond that, do you think Phoenix can get back to the finals next season? Hey, Sixers fans. Summer is here. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're in luck because our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawn Mower 4.0. So what's in the Manscaped performance package? Well, inside the package, you'll find their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas, so join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Handle your trimming needs this summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Again, that's manscaped.com for 20% off using the code FANSIDED20. And now... Back to the podcast. Well, for Chris Paul first, yeah, I think he'll be back. I think he likes what they have going on in Phoenix. And honestly, they can offer him, what, two years and a $100 million extension. So, yeah, he's going to be back. He's going to be back. Nobody turns down that type of money. And do I think they'll be back to the NBA Finals? Honestly, no. Because they got some really lucky breaks. Let's be real. In the first round, Lakers, as we just alluded to, Anthony Davis re-injured that groin. LeBron was not 100%. Health provides they're going to be a better team. Denver Nuggets were without their second-best player in Jamal Murray. He comes back. He's healthy. Michael Porter Jr. has another year to develop. They'll be a better team. Then you got the Clippers. The Clippers was a Kawhi injury away from you know getting to the NBA Finals and honestly probably having a really good shot of beating the Bucks. And that's not even counting some other teams like the Mavericks who were on the rise, you know, if they their personnel right around Luca, and and you know the Pelicans could be on the rise if they make a big trade, which I kind of wrote about in the past. Do you want your thoughts on that later? Though we'll talk about that later. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I don't as much as I love the Suns, I I it's a very hard path for them to get back. Not to say that it's not going to be a hard path for the Bucks either, because if the Nets are healthy and the Sixers get the right personnel around Joel, they're going to be harder teams to beat next year. Miami's probably not going away. Atlanta's a legit threat. And let's be real, if Trey Young didn't get injured, there's a chance that the Hawks were, would be in the NBA Finals, not, not the Bucks. I think, you know, and Indiana has the personnel. They just need help and a right coach. And, you know, they got the right coach in Rick Carlisle, I think. So, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a chance here, Chris, that neither team gets back next year. Not just the Suns, but neither team. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I agree. I think Brooklyn probably is the early favorite for next year if they can hold up health-wise um, in the West. You know, you said the Lakers are going to get healthier. Maybe not the Clippers so much. Kawhi Torres ACL, we'll see how quickly he can get back if he's, 
on the floor if he's at 100% by the time next postseason rolls around. We don't really know at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do think Phoenix has a chance. I, I don't think it's like an above 50% chance, but if Chris Paul's back, the Suns are a good team. They won. They mm-hmm. have the second best record in the league for a reason. Like They certainly have the capacity to do this again. I don't think the Lakers are unbeatable. If the Lakers trade for Russell Westbrook, as has been alluded to, I frankly don't think that helps them. So no. <laughs> Lakers are not like some unbeatable super team at this point. LeBron. I, I'll say this. There are only a few things that need to happen for the Suns to have a legit shot again, too. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, DeAndre Aiden has to average over 20 points a game next season, which I think is possible. You got to make sure that Jalen Smith develops into a quality backup because Sarge can't be your backup, especially with the ACL tear. They need to get that right. And I think Cam Johnson needs to get better on defense because if he gets better on defense, he's going to play more and then he's going to score more because the guy can shoot like crazy. Yeah, I mean, look, even if the Lakers are healthy, if the Nuggets are healthy, if Utah makes a few tweaks, like the Suns can still come out of the West. I I, I think that's still totally possible. Again, I wouldn't, like, say it's an above 50% chance. I'm not betting on Phoenix to get back, but they are a great team. Like they're a very well run organization and franchise and Chris Paul and Devin Booker are two really good players. And DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges are two really good players who are probably going to get even better by the time next season comes around. So it's certainly within reason to expect them to be in the conversation next year. I think Chris Paul comes back to, I, I, he's not going to take the mid-level exception. Sorry, Laker fans. I'll I'll leave that when I see it. Um, I, I will say this: the Suns could sabotage themselves. Roberts, for the as well as like the front office and the coaching staff does. Robert Sarva is not a good owner, and he might not want to pay the luxury tax with both Chris Paul up for a max extension or a max two-year deal, and DeAndre Aiden up for the rookie max. Which, let's face it, he's probably gonna get. That well, could yeah. give big luxury. Look, so Robert Sarver could sabotage the whole entire thing. If, yeah, he says Sar- no, if Sarver says, like, no, we don't want Chris Paul back, then they're screwed. That would be stupid. Um, he but would even do it. then, they're still a playoff team, I think, at this really? point. I, I, I think it's safe to say they're in the conversation. I, I mean, you have to get a quality point guard to replace Chris Paul, and, I mean, there isn't too many on the market. Yeah, but, I mean, you still have Booker and Aiton in, in, in a pretty – deep roster overall i i think it would be okay not like championship level okay but they they did win eight straight in the bubble i feel like this energy has been mounting for a while um it wasn't all just chris paul chris paul obviously is why they're in the finals but i i think there's something there even without him um and i will say this i think chris paul was injured not to get make excuses but i think he was i think he was hurt oh a thousand percent. I mean, we knew he had torn ligaments in his wrist that clearly limited his ability to go left and do all the things he normally does. Like, he is clearly hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not an excuse. There are injuries to every team in every postseason. But I do think at the end of the day, Milwaukee had the best player. Uh, mm-hmm. They had the best player giving one of the all-time great performances. And they're just a really freaking good defensive team. Drew Holiday did some mean things to Devin Booker and Chris Paul throughout that series. 
Chris Middleton hit big shots when the moment called for it. Brooke Lopez had his moments. A lot of guys, Bobby Porter's had 16 in the closeout game. Like that, that they, the Bucks just felt like the team that deserved to win it this year. I, I, I think they are totally. There's going to be asterisk talk because of all the injuries. That's ridiculous to me. Milwaukee is clearly a very good team. Mm. Uh, Giannis is already a Pantheon player, and he's going to continue to add to that resume. So I'm I'm excited to see how that plays out next season. So let me ask you: Do you think Chris, this is was Chris Paul's one and only chance? Uh, I mean, it's certainly possible. Again, if he comes back and he's at the same level next season, they have a chance. I, I don't want to say he'll never get back again. He could try to force his way to a, a, another team like L.A. and latch on to other superstars. Uh, he could get one as like a, a bench guard when he's 40. And, you know, there there are other ways to do it, but there's a very good chance that this was like his one opportunity. And unfortunately he ran up against Giannis. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it sucks. I, I do feel really bad for Chris Paul and for a lot of players on that Suns team. Uh, but I, I also simultaneously, I, I think the Bucks are very deserving and they're a great story. Um, there, there's a lot to like about that team and those people in that organization. So I'm, I'm not too bummed. That's fair, but let's go ahead and switch gears now. We're going to talk some Sixers, and more particularly Joel Embiid's ability to sign a Supermax contract next offseason. Now, I believe it's not the Super Supermax, which is over like $217 million, but I, it is, I believe, around $191 million. If he made like all defensive team again next year, then I think he would be up for that Super Supermax, but how easy of a decision do you think it would be for Philly to offer him the Supermax extension where he could stand to make $100 million in the final year of that contract? Uh, Not I $150 mean, $50 sorry. Yeah, look, I mean, what else are you going to do, right? He, he's one of the five, ten best players on the planet. He's like a generational talent. He's the only reason Philadelphia has even prayer at winning a championship right now he has been someone that they have built around and been building towards for like a decade not always as well as they should be doing like like there's been serious mismanagement around him but you've committed quite a bit to Embiid already you, you don't just let a guy of that caliber walk because you're scared he might get hurt like I, the injuries are a real concern and there's a chance that that $50 million in the last year of his contract when he's like in his thirties is, is a bad contract. Like it, there's a chance it gets to that point. It's not impossible, but the alternative is letting him walk and being like mediocre, like an eight seed. Like, like what, what's the alternative? You you have to try to win a championship. That's the name of the game. And Embiid puts you as close as just about anyone in the league, not named LeBron Giannis or Kevin Durant. I mean, you have yep. an, he, he anchors this defense. He is the only good thing on offense half the time. I, I don't know what else you would expect to do. Like, like, what is the reason for letting him walk? You have to take some risk. You, you can't be so risk-averse that you're just floating in Portland land where you're like a seven seed every year and you're just running the same thing back five years in a row. It, it's just not how you should run a franchise. 
And I'm sure Joel. they could put injury protections in there too if they if. And I'm sure Joel would probably do it because he did it in the last deal. Well, I mean, I don't think Joel has to. He was second place in the MVP. He's going to get whatever he wants, and he should get whatever he wants. I don't think he'll get a bunch of injury protections because he's a much more proven player at this point. But you got to swallow, you know, you got to bite the bullet. It is what it is. He's he's a fan freaking tastic player, and you've got to pay up. That's that's what you have to pay for elite all time talents. And Joel Embiid is an elite all-time talent, probably the best player Philadelphia has seen in 40 years. You got to do what you got to do to keep him around. Um, like, like it would just be inexcusable not to pay him if if he wants to return. There's no reason he shouldn't return, in my opinion. That's that's a good point. But you brought up MV, second in MVP voting this past year, Chris. Do you think he should be a favorite to win the award next year? Um, a favorite? Probably not. Um, I think it's a pretty open race, you know. Um, Jokic is obviously going to be right back in the conversation. Luka's going to be in the conversation again. Steph and the Warriors are going to be winning games again. LeBron is always in that mix. Harden and KD are always in that mix. Giannis has won two in a row before this season. so to say he's like the favorite and he's a clear front runner over all of those guys is probably not where I would go. But do I think he has a solid chance to be in the running again? Yes. Um, I, I think he's going to come out with another fire lit under him. A lot to prove a lot. You know, the Sixers still have to prove themselves because they keep fumbling out of the playoffs in the second round. So it's very possible. I think it. I don't know if it's likely. I don't know if he's my like favorite right now, but it, he'll probably be in the race. You know, I, I think I agree with you there. I think he's definitely in the running. I just don't think he's a uh, the the front runner at this point. I mean, we haven't heard anything about him getting meniscus surgery yet, which is kind of concerning. So we don't I, know I, what. I don't think gonna... that's concerning. I think it's just that they're letting it heal on its own. Uh, it don't, but, it can't, but that type of injury doesn't heal on its own, Chris. That's the thing, because there's no blood flow there, so the white blood cells can't get back there to heal it. So I'm pretty sure moment, from like what I've read that if the tear is small enough, that... you can do it through physical therapy, but may, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, yeah, you can't you can't get away with physical therapy, but a guy of his size, I'd, I'd err on the side of caution, but well, I feel like if it needed surgery, they would have gotten surgery by now. Like, I don't, there's no reason to put it off. Like, I don't, I don't see okay. what ominous undertones there would be to that. Okay. Yeah. I guess, I guess I'm just, I don't know. It's, it's something in the back of my mind. But yeah, I, I mean, we'll see what happens. Cause I mean, what if Sixers get Damian Lillard? Who's going to be the, who's going to be considered more for their success? Joel or Damon? Who's going to be the more higher scorer? We don't know. So we have to wait and see what happens with their roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because let's pick, if they, if the Sixers pull off a trade for Damian Lillard, we don't even know who's going to be number one, number two in that category. Because like Damian might want to defer to Joel for three and a half quarters and then take over in the fourth quarter, or yeah, maybe Damian, look, Damian yeah. Lillard also a top ten player and a generational yeah. talent. Yeah. Um, but I do so, think like just on that a small tangent on the Lillard thing. Having yeah. another guy who can do all that stuff and not put the pressure on Joel to take 50 shots every night, especially in the playoffs, 
like that would take so much pressure off his knees that would decrease injury risk it would allow him to take more rests ideally doc would stagger the rotation for once if that were the case um like like having someone like Lillard would make life a lot easier on Embiid and make me feel much better about him not wearing down towards the end of the seasons um but yeah I I Dame come home <laughs> come to Philly please um it's gotta happen it it can't not happen at this point we're the Knicks well, I the mean the the Knicks said, don't have anything. You said the Pelicans have a better offer than the Sixers last podcast. Yeah, and they so, do. That doesn't mean they're gonna get him. I think someone we should pay attention to is Kyle Lowry, who is entering free agency unrestricted. He was a hot ticket at the trade deadline. Didn't end up going anywhere, but he was tied to Philadelphia then. He could very well end up in Philadelphia this offseason via sign-and-trade, Lucas. How likely do you think it is that Lowry would leave Toronto and become a Sixer? I mean, it's pretty obvious that he's leaving Toronto. So the likelihood that he becomes a Sixer? Well, let's think of the teams that he's been tied to. He's been tied to the Lakers, the Clippers, the the Heat, and the Sixers, right? So I'm going to mm-hmm. say 25%. Because, I mean, all of those are attractive free agent destinations. I mean, he probably couldn't the, – the, he could offer him more than any other team in free agency because they could, boy, they could you know, decline Iggy's, uh, Iguodala's team option, which is like $15 million. And then Victor Oladipo is an unrestricted free agent. So they could they, – they have more than enough money to open up for – to sign Lowry in free agency. But – you know they're they're probably the least contending of the con- those four teams. I mean the Sixers make sh- sense obviously because it's his hometown, but I mean both LA teams look better on paper right now. I mean playing with LeBron well, James, Kawhi's hurt and he's also a free agent, so I don't know if we can like with confidence okay. say the Clippers are in a better spot. In yeah, the maybe, but the the Lakers, as long as both play both their stars come back healthy. They're in a pretty good spot. So yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, the Sixers don't have the money to sign him outright. I think Miami is pretty anxious to add someone else next to Bam and Jimmy. Uh, I I frankly think the Clippers probably aren't going to swing for Kyle Lowry with Kawhi's situation. I I think it's probably going to be the Heat. Like if I had to guess right now where Kyle Lowry is going to play next season, I'd say Miami. That feels he's clearly friends with Jimmy. Um, that has been a team that he's been connected to as well, like since last season at the deadline, it feels like it's probably going to be the Heat who can just sign him without a sign and trade. Um, that said, is Philly possible? Yes. Does that seem like a move Daryl Morey, who is notoriously aggressive and going for a championship would make to try to maximize the window with Joe and Ben? Yeah. Yes. Look, if it comes down to playing Kyle Lowry and Damian Lillard together, you, that's fine. You do it. <laughs> well, the thing is like, you don't, I don't, I guess you can make the money work. If you re-sign Danny Green, trade him, and Hill, that's $25 million right there, roughly. Actually, be yeah, 20- I mean, it'd probably, it'd be George Hill, probably Seth Curry, because I don't know if you can, you have to, you can't really do the sign and trade with other pieces. So I think you probably have to be Hill, Curry, and some other stuff maybe to get around $20 million a year, and you'd have to say, yeah, I want to go to Philly. Uh, 
if that is the case, I think that's totally reasonable and something that Maury would consider. I think the Raptors would be happy to have Curry in an expiring contract slash trade chip in George Hill. So, uh, yeah. The Raptors are in a weird place because they have a their core of Red, Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam are in prime age to contend. But the rest of that roster is just so young. Look, give me Van Vliet, Siakam, Ananobi, Seth Curry, Jalen Suggs, and a few free agents, and I think you can make the playoffs. Um, they need to get a center of the future, because I like Chris Boucher, but he can't defend NBA bigs on a consistent basis. Aaron Baines was not it this past year. They released Alex yeah. Lynn. And you can get someone better than Aaron Baines. You know, they have Ken Burch. And Ken Burch, let me tell you something, he's an underrated center. He is very underrated. I think he would actually do good things for them next year. Yeah, I think Toronto can get back to the playoffs if they want to. If they want to is yet to be seen. Um, it does seem like Lowry's probably going to leave. Hypothetically, they could re-sign him and try to get healthy and get back to Toronto. They spent last season in Tampa. Like there, There's a probably a world where Lowry just re-signs and they are the five seed again next season. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it's Miami. That just feels like borderline inevitable to me. Uh, I mean, it's cap space, so. Yeah, I don't know if that really moves the needle to, like, put Miami on the same plane as Brooklyn and Milwaukee and maybe Philly, but. Brooklyn, you mean. Interesting, it's an interesting thought. Um you said Brooklyn. I, Did you mean Los Angeles? No, like. Oh, you don't the heat. Sorry, I thought you were talking about free agent destination. No. Um, but yeah, no, do you think, Lucas, that he he would fit with Ben and Joe? Do you think that's like a clean a clean fit? Do you think that makes sense for Philly? Well, if, ben and Joe aren't a clean fit, so adding anybody else to it is not going to be a clean fit. But do I think that moving Ben to the four would help solve some of the problems? Maybe. The biggest problem solver of all, and you've said this before, is Ben being aggressive enough and confident enough in his free throws and making at least 70% of them. That that would solve a lot of the issues. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And having Ben play more of a power forward. And let's give Brett Brown credit. He saw Ben wasn't working as a point guard. And he, he was going to play Ben as a power forward more. But then, lo and behold, the, uh, what was it, torn meniscus in the bubble happened. So, since then, you know, Doc Rivers was like, oh, no, he's not going to be a point guard. Wasting, yeah, he is. And we ran into the same wall again. <laughs> Give Brett credit. But, yeah, no, I mean, he, Lowry forces Ben to be a power forward. Make Ben be a power forward. I think the added stress of point guard really got to him over the years, so. Maybe being back in his college position will help him a lot. Yeah. Look, um, Finn is, again, still a very good player. Um, I think he will be fine next season. I I don't expect him to, like, panic and turn into Markel Fultz or anything. Um, that, stop, you know, no, no, no. We're going to stop busting on Markel Fultz because he was injured. We're not. And Markel is really a good player. So... Not to, like, bust on Markel. But. Yeah, no, he didn't, he didn't have the yips. He had a shoulder injury. I agree. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's a bad comparison. But 
Yes, Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid puts you in like the top three of the Eastern Conference. Um, I mean, even if Ben is back in the playoffs next season, if you have Kyle Lowry and some better bench pieces, hypothetically, mm-hmm. you're in the conversation. I don't know if you're beating the Bucks. I don't know if you're beating the Nets, who I think are just better all-around teams. But you still have Joel, who is an all-time talent. You're in the conversation. If someone gets hurt, which is wholly possible, that happens every year, you've put yourself in range of a title. So I do think yeah. Lowry would... would do quite a bit for them closing games. I do think he would help the defense even on the perimeter, whether Ben is there or not, as as a point of attack guy. There's Kyle Lowry's really good. You should get him if you can. Um, I will say this: having Ben at the forward position, it really gives opposing teams. Do you put your slow power forward on Ben, and you know just hope he's not interested in trying to get to the rim? Or do you put your smaller small forward on him and, you know, guard Tobias properly? Because Ben and Tobias at the forward positions does cause some matchup issues. Because on offense, Tobias would be more of a three. But on defense, Tobias is the four and Ben is the three. Because, you know, Ben's going to guard the best perimeter player. It makes a team, while Lowry's shorter, the sixer is a lot bigger overall. Let's just say that. Lowry would probably be replacing Seth in the starting five. Um, yeah. I don't really think that changes who defenses match up with who. Like, there aren't many point guards who are guarding Ben. Um, yeah, that's like, fair. I think that forward conversation has been the conversation for every team all season and last season. Like, like that's always the case. I, I don't think Lowry would really change who defenses put on Ben, but yeah. Look, Lowry is an all-star. He's really good. Um, there's no, really not much more to say about that. He moves the ball. He can hit pull-up threes. He can play off the ball. Uh, well, how you, player-wise, what would you give up for Kyle Lowry if you know you already have to do a sign-and-trade and you're giving up Seth Curry? Yeah, would, look, you, would you give I, up Tyrese Maxey? I don't know if I would in free agency now. Because that's mean, another I, the Raptors Back. wouldn't have the leverage, right? Yeah, so they could really only ask for Seth Curry, George Hill, and maybe like a first-round pick. Yeah, like if you have to give up like the 28th pick to get it done, fine. That I think that's... Daryl has historically been fine with trading late first-round picks. I don't mm. think a number 28 pick is going to change the world next season. Give it to Toronto. I don't care. Um, uh-huh. And if then, you have to give up my beloved Paul Reed fine you know do it but i i i would you're not giving up fiber maxi in that situation i just don't think that's reasonable from toronto's perspective to ask for that uh, they probably yeah. could have had maxi at the trade deadline he was probably up but what we saw from maxi in the playoffs the ceiling on this kid is much higher now than it was mid-season and you don't give that up for a guy that could sign elsewhere and uh, who's 35 years old But, you know, let's go ahead and switch gears here. And let's talk about thoughts on, like, you know, NBA legit, like, signature moves or skills. You know, when you think of NBA, there's particular things that you think of. 
And what we're going to do is compare players in, throughout the whole NBA of who has the better skill and who's better at a particular skill. Who has the better floater, Chris? Trey Young or James Harden? Um, look, Trey Young is awesome, but James Harden is James Harden. So it's yeah. James Harden. <laughs> it, it's James Harden for me. Before I will say this, back during his prime, I, I would be tempted to put Ray John Rondo in that you know, category two, but obviously Rondo is not in his prime anymore because I really loved his floater. Um, who has better court vision, Ben Simmons or LaMelo Ball? Uh, look, we all watch Ben a lot. Uh, he can clearly pass the ball. I don't know if he's like a court vision guy, though. Like, like it's so clearly LaMelo. LaMelo just has like 360. Oh, yeah. Like a telescopic lens on his head. I Lamelo is ridiculous. Lamelo sees the floor in a way that like very few people can. It's like him, LeBron, Luca, and like like a very select group of people. Um, so it's Lamelo. Yeah, I'm gonna say Lamelo too. I think that he could very easily, if they get the right offensive pieces around them in Charlotte, the next season he could average close to ten assists, if not ten assists. So I think that's that's a fair point, and I don't think Ben Simmons will ever get it, especially if he has to play forward moving forward, you know, uh, you know, going into the future. So we'll see there. But but who who has the better overall game, LeBron James or Luka Doncic? Yeah, I mean, look, LeBron's getting older. I he may drop off at some point. It's but like until we see that, it's it's LeBron. LeBron's one of the greatest ever to do it. So. And he can play defense. Yeah, I love Luca. I think Luca's a stud. I think Luca's going to win MVP and a championship and all that stuff at some point. Uh, but the inch is LeBron. <laughs> Fair enough. So let's go ahead and move on. Who's the better rim protector, Miles Turner or Joel Embiid? I, I think Joel. I mean, it depends on how strictly you want to define like rim protection. Like, is it who? purely is going to block the most shots than Miles Turner, but who's going to impact more shots around the rim and throw a wrench into offenses? It's Joel. So I think it's Joel, but it probably depends on how you define rim protection. Yeah, I mean, the the Pacers as a whole were an average defensive team, if not below average. I can't remember the exact stats, but they weren't impressive on that end. Joel helped anchor a top five NBA defense and they're usually in the top 10 as long as he's playing majority of the games. So I think Joel Embiid's the easiest choice here. Uh, Chris, who's the better on-ball defender? And I feel like this is totally Uriah question because you can feel the bias here in the two uh, options. Is it Kawhi Leonard or Matisse Thibel, Chris? Uh, look, it's totally dependent on who you want to guard like if you're trying to tell like who do i want to guard lebron it's Kawhi. who do i want to guard Kyrie? it's matisse yeah matisse is much more of a guard defender Kawhi can guard the big strong guys who are going to try to pound it inside it it just depends on who you want to have it's matchup dependent guarding things uh yeah it's matchup dependent yeah and honestly i think matisse thibel hasn't even reached his like he's he's much better still as an off ball defender than on ball, and I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet in either category. But for now, I'm gonna 
because I think he's a little bit more diverse in his ability to defend just because he's longer and taller. I'm going to say Kawhi, but I mean, like you said, it's very matchup de- match dependent on, like, obviously neither one of them are guarding centers, but I mean, we saw Matisse struggle against Jason Tatum two off seasons ago, two playoffs ago. And I mean, anybody past like six, eight, it gives Matisse problems. Except if your name is Laurie Market, and then you just get your shot blocked from behind. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I think, yeah, I would say still say Kawhi at this point. But I mean, Matisse isn't done developing yet as a defender. So we'll wait and see. Um, who's the better floor general, Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook? Yeah, uh, look, y'all. Russell Westbrook is not a floor general. Um, it's, I mean, he's just average a triple double, though, Chris. He 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 does, and that's great for him. I'm I'm happy that he does that. But who you do really I want, like making the decisions and running the offense and orchestrating things? It's Chris Paul mm-hmm. every day of the year, twice over on a leap year like Russell Westbrook is just chaos and sometimes <laughs> that's good sometimes that's bad Chris Chris Paul is uh, like literally nicknamed the point god so I don't think it's really a hard decision <laughs> yeah no I I agree um Westbrook gets most of his assists because he's driving like crazy to the rim and he's kicking out for open shooters Chris Paul can run an offense efficiently. He's the quintessential point guard, as many call him, the point god. Russell Westbrook is just known as the most athletic point guard in all time. I think that says enough for you right there. Um, who's the better scorer? And I, I think this is a real debatable one here, Chris. Bradley Beal or Devin Booker? Uh, I, I think it's Beal. I, Booker's mm. awesome. Uh, I think Beal probably has the edge, though. I'm, I'm going to say Booker. I'm going to say Booker. I think they both have the same level of skill, but Booker being a little bit taller does help in certain situations. And I think they both have the same level of, uh, as a, of athleticism. And I think they're both like as good as, you know, they're clutch players. Uh, they both have the ability to create their own shots for themselves and others. They can both go off for 60 points. Like, I mean, Booker had a 70 point game. That hasn't happened. That happens very rarely in NBA history. So I'm going to give it to Booker. I think just put, but I think he's playing more within himself and in the flow of the team than he has in the past. Who has the hotter temper? This is going to be a fun one. Draymond Green or Dwight Howard? I, I would like to put an honorable mention and for Luka Doncic as well. Yeah. Look, I mean, again, Dwight is. You know, he, he picks up a lot of texts and he makes stupid decisions on defense. But, uh, I th- like, Draymond is Draymond. <laughs> I feel like it's fairly easy to say Draymond here. Um, mm-hmm. Like, Dwight in his prime, I wasn't there for, so I can't speak to it as much. But uh, He wasn't as much of a hothead when he was in his prime. Yeah, look, Draymond is frankly a bit over the top. At times, so I think it's him. It's him. I, I'm going to put in my honorable mention Luka Doncic as being the most hot-headed player in the NBA. Yeah, like, the answer is probably <laughs> Pat Bev, but... I mean, if we're talking technical fouls, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling Luka, but... Yeah, uh, like Patrick Beverly is, like, pushing guys in the back. Yeah, that was nothing. 
That was messed up. Um, but out of the two players there, I'm going to say Draymond as well. I think part of Dwight's technicals are just because he's a big, muscular dude. And despite being 35 years old, he still doesn't know completely how to use his body like a preteen person. Um, and just how strong and powerful he can be. So I think that's part of it. Um, who's the most, who has the more clutch game, Damian Lillard or Steph Curry? Um, again, like, how do you define clutch game? Yada, yada, yada. Just Steph hitting great in the clutch. I don't want to, I'm not here for like the Steph Milton big moments crap. He, Steph is a great clutch player. Um, but Dame just has like so many iconic shots on his resume at this point where you just kind of have to say Dame because he feels like he's going to rip someone's heart out every time he touches the ball in the fourth quarter. So my answer is Damian Lillard, but I don't want that to take away from Steph, who is probably the better player. Not probably, like definitely the better player and quite the clutch option himself. Yeah, I'm going to say Damien, too. I mean, he's called Logo Lillard. I mean, he took the soul from Paul George when he was in Oklahoma City. I mean, he's like you said, he's had so many um, clutch shots that it's just hard to deny what he's been able to do over time. Next one, and I like this one. Peskier defender, TJ McConnell or Fred Van Vliet? Uh Again, like, better defender, Fred Van Vliet. Peskier, as far as, like, annoying the ball handler type of stuff, I think it's it's TJ above pretty much everyone else on planet Earth. Um, mm-hmm. TJ just gets under people's skin, and he's in the backcourt hanging around for steals on inbounds passes and doing all that stuff that no one else does. So I think the answer is TJ. Yeah, I, I'm going to go TJ, too. Obviously, Fred Lead is like a near all-NBA level defender. He's not quite there, but he's pretty close. TJ, he's just going to annoy you. And that's what we miss about him so much at Philly, uh, having a pesky defensive point guard. I mean, don't get me wrong, Hill's not bad as a defender, but I'd rather have TJ than Hill on defense just because I, I like how TJ just gets into the head of other people. Like, he got gets into the head of Shake Milne because, dear Lord, whenever Shake Milne goes up against TJ, he, like, loses his game. Um, anyway, two more, Chris. Better lob threat, Miles Bridges or Clint Capella? Uh, yeah, look, I don't want to keep, like, adding qualifiers and saying it's situationally dependent, but, like, who has the most entertaining lobs? <laughs> it's Miles Bridges. Who, like, within the scheme of an offense is going to give defenses more issues because of his vertical threat? It's Clint Capella. So, like, who's the objectively more dangerous lob threat? It's Clint. Who is going to, like, have the dunk of the year every other year? It's Miles Bridges. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair uh, statement there. I think, you know, there was a reason why that pick and roll worked so well because Joel had this, you know, stay back or else. Capella was going to get lobs, him and John Collins. So, yeah, I, I think that Capella's the better, you know, lob threat in terms of how he can hurt a defense. Last one. Uglier jump shot. Bull Bull or Lonzo Ball? Okay. This is the I one where I, I really, like, I, I don't fully get it. Like, Yeah, I don't think, I mean, Lonzo's, Lonzo, Lonzo's an objectively good shooter who has clearly yeah. made improvement since, like, UCLA. Bull Bull can also shoot. Like, yeah. 
I get that their forms are a little funky, and I think that's what uh, Uriah was going for. But I don't think either of them are like particularly ugly. Like Westbrook is ugly. Like his form looks fine, but he's shooting off the corner of the backboard at the time. Uh, I, w- I was going to throw in Markel Fultz. Yeah, like the answer here is Russell Westbrook. Um, no, the, an- the answer here is Markel Fultz because that release, the release isn't good and he's not a good shooter. So the answer is Markel Fultz. Um, yeah, like between the two names that are actually listed and like like who is more aesthetically pleasing like Lonzo is, like Bull, I, I get it. Bull has like long lanky arms and it's a weird looking shot and he brings the ball way back and so I guess you can say Bull Bull is probably the uglier quote unquote jump shot, but he's not he can still shoot. Like he's not he missing just, a ton of those. Yeah, he just needs to get a chance to actually play. And Lonzo is like a legitimately good volume shooter at this point. He yeah. shot thirty eight percent from deep last year in New Orleans and took quite a few threes. So eight point three threes to be exact. Yeah. Like, that's pretty freaking remarkable. So that's like JJ Reddick numbers, guys. Put that into perspective. That's pretty much JJ Reddick numbers. Yeah, um, I guess because I was about like to say one of the better shooters in the league at this point. <laughs> yeah, especially on the volume that he takes. Well, I guess because your eye's not here, Chris. Do you want to do the social media question of the week, or do you want to just wrap this up? Yeah, we can. We can talk about it. Uh, we posted the poll on our Twitter account. The question was, how do you feel about Giannis and the Bucks winning a championship? We sort of tipped our hand earlier in the podcast, uh, but on Twitter, we had 165 votes. The leading answer was happy for them. That got 58.2% of the votes. The second leading answer was jealous. It should have been the Sixers, which got 27.9% of the votes. And third, last, and least was indifferent. The only indifferent people are 13.9% of our voting body. Um, Lucas, where do you fall? Are you jealous? Are you indifferent? Are you happy for the Bucks? Where do you I land mean, in that spectrum? I, I guess I'm happy, but at the same time, it doesn't really affect the Sixers. Um, even if they got past the Bucks, I don't think the Sixers... I mean, not past this, the Bucks. If Even if the Sixers won against the Hawks, I don't see them winning against the Bucks. So either way, I'm not... I have no... I have no dog in that fight. So I guess I'm happy that I'm happy for Giannis. I'm happy that a small market team won it. I'm glad that a, a team that hadn't won in 50 years finally got it. Um, you know, this, this puts Giannis in you know, top five category of power forward. It puts Chris Middleton in as a legit closer. Now it puts Drew holidays defense up even more so than it, what it was already. Uh, Mike Budenholz is going to get to keep his job. So, I mean, yeah, I guess I'm happy for them. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm I'm very happy for them. Like, I was genuinely thrilled last night. I was, like, quite, quite happy. Um, I could hear your Twitter feed. Giannis. Yeah, yeah. look, hard. it's great. Giannis is a lovable player. He's a great human being to cheer for. The Bucks. Are a small market team. They're a great story. They're a bunch of second round picks in Giannis who somehow have gotten to this point. You know, uh, that team, like, again, like you said, it's been 50 years since they've won anything. They've been just about as long suffering as Philly fans, if not longer suffering than Philly fans. Um, 
the Eagles have a more recent Super Bowl championship than the Packers. So feel good for Milwaukee fans. We had Jordan Tresky from Behind the Bucks pass on a while ago. Feel good for him and like all those guys who have been waiting for this moment. Uh, the idea yeah. that the Sixers oh. should have been there is, yeah, like the Bucks are a better team. So I don't feel like the Sixers like were screwed over by destiny or something. And we um, should have Jordan back on. And another thing, Chris, it's something interesting has happened. The Mike Scott fam account has followed us on the Sixer Sense Twitter page, which what? doesn't make sense because Mike Scott's not going to get another job. No offense, Mike Scott, but let's let's be real. You did not play up to par this past year. Uh, yeah, shout out to Mike Scott. Um, fan page that followed us. Yeah, I'm not jealous. Like, do I wish the Sixers were the champions? Of course, I'm not. But like jealousy, like holding some kind of grudge against Milwaukee being like upset about it. I, that's just such an unnecessary way to approach things. Like I'm also an NBA fan on top of being a Sixers fan. Like the Bucks are, if it was the Lakers or something again, I, I could get being like, Ugh, Oh brother, you know, LeBron or the Nets. Cause they, Oh, they have a super team or whatever, but it's the Bucks. Like it's Giannis. And Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, like, how do you not feel good for them? I, I don't uh, understand yeah. it. Yeah, I think every anytime a new team wins an NBA ch- title, you you feel be- good for them. Yeah, like, but, I re- like during the regular season, are Buck fans a little annoying sometimes? Are the Bucks an annoying? Like, can Giannis be a pain in the butt? Yeah, but that's because he's a really good player. And at the end of the day, I don't I don't see how you don't feel good for them. Like. Like I felt great for the Dallas Mavs in 2011. Yeah, and like, be, yeah. Part of, maybe part of it is that the Sixers very clearly did not deserve to be there. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe that's part of it, but like yeah. the Bucks feel like a very legitimate winner, and they are. You haven't won in 50 years, and Giannis is a great story, and there aren't many guys who are of that caliber who are easier to cheer for. Um, Giannis doesn't have all the baggage to add to him that LeBron or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry does. Like, like Giannis is still pretty new to the scene. I'm happy yeah. for them. I, I have so no complaints. Quick questions. Do you think this is Giannis's only NBA title that he gets? I mean, you can never know, right? But like, he's again, he's 26. The Bucks are clearly going to be in the mix for a while. I, I think it's very possible that he wins another one. Um, I think they can go toe to toe with just about everyone again next season. So I don't know if they're like the favorites to win in 2022, but I think Giannis, he's you so think good. This, you think this cements him staying there for his career? Or do you think they have to win one more to keep him there? I don't know. I mean, again, you can never tell the future. Like something can happen. You can have a falling out with ownership, whatever, but it seems pretty clear that he's locked into that city. Like, they all love him. He loves them. He signed the five-year extension last summer uh, before they'd won anything. So unless something substantial changes, I don't think he's going to leave. Is he better? Is he more beloved than Kareem now in that in that city? Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. Is Joel more beloved in Philly right now than, like, Dr. J? 
probably just because he's the guy that people are watching right now. Um, I mean, like, in, yes. I, in the yes, scheme, I, is, is Giannis a more important franch- player to the franchise historically now than Kareem was? I, I don't know if you can like say that because Kareem is Kareem, right? But I mean, he was only there for a short time. And yeah, he, only... he wasn't there that long. Giannis is probably like the next generation, like one of the faces of the NBA right now. It Giannis is more recent. Like every, if you ask someone in the city right now who they love more, Giannis or Kareem, they're gonna say Giannis. Like that whole city is just like infatuated with. Giannis at this point so I think the answer is probably Giannis just for recency bias which is totally legitimate we're living in 2021 who cares about basketball in the 70s or whatever but um yeah Most I mean, it's hard for yeah. me not to pick Giannis there yeah all right well Chris I think it's time for you to play us out man Already, uh we will be back of course Early next week, everyone, uh, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. The NBA draft is right around the corner. Uh, this podcast will go up on Thursday, July 22nd. The draft is on July 29th, so we are a week away. Uh, we will have a lot of content up on the site. Again, my most recent mock draft and my big board are up there. Lucas has written some articles looking at different prospects at different positions. We're going to continue that series as well. We'll have another mock draft and a draft guide up before the the big day. So lots coming mm-hmm. up. Lots to look forward to. I, I would recommend that you check all that out at the com, of course. For the podcast, please, if you can, leave us a review. Give us a rating. You can subscribe and do all that on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audible, or you can listen on the website at thesixersense.com. Drop a comment. Let us know your thoughts, what you want us to talk about, what we can improve. We'd be really happy to hear it. And until then, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.